What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Keeping It Real. It's your boy, Kevin Moore. It's your boy, John Lundy. What's going on? John, what's up? You all right? Yes, sir, man. Chilling, chilling. How about yourself? Oh, man. I'm blessed. I'm blessed doing well. Look, man, we got an exciting show tonight. Uh, we got two really special guests, uh, and we're we going to break it down, man. So, you know, me and you, we're, we're, we're sports journalists. You know, we, we cover different sports in the industry. Um, so I wanted to ask you, you know, what made you get into sports, the sports journalism, the sports writing industry? Yeah, maybe get into it. Uh, like growing up, man, I was always watching ESPN. Dad always had it on the TV. And like I would see like some of the black reporters like uh, Stuart Scott, Jamel Hill, Stephen A. Smith. And I'm looking at them like, hey, I think I can do that, too. Uh, just like on top of that, like I really like reading, really like writing. And I uh, wanted to combine those two passions with a hobby. And uh, when got, got in, that's my interest in sports writing came from. I was able to cover the Pistons. Uh, we in the that was the 2020 season. Had a little internship. Was able to go to games, uh, be in the locker room, get the quote quotes from coaches and players, and put put together an article like that. That's, that's what's up, you know. For myself, kind of similar to you, man. I, I grew up playing sports. I loved watching sports, and I always told myself I want to pursue a career in sports. So you know, it just so happened to me that I fell fell in love with writing and doing you know different radio shows in school and being a host for different shows and it kind of just that's how the chips fell so you know i absolutely love what i do and i'm just glad to you know keep doing it and making an impact especially um as black men in this industry um so you know, you know with that being said you know we want to get right into our guests we had like i said earlier we had two very special guests you know the first guest we want to bring on is omari sankofa you know, a dear friend of mine, a fellow graduate of Renaissance High School, class of 2012. Omari, man, how you doing? Hey, doing good, man. Doing good. Yeah, class of 2012. I'm like, man, it's been, it's been a few <laughs> years now. <laughs> I know, man. It's, it's, it flew by. It flew by. Well, yeah, man, Omari, Omari doing big things out here. He he recently was covering the Memphis Grizzlies with the Athletic, and now he's back home in Detroit covering the Pistons. So, man, we're glad to have you, man. Man, I'm happy to be on here. Thanks for oh, having yeah. me. Absolutely. And then our second guest, uh, you know, a lot of people might know this name, uh, Rob Parker. He, he is a big name in the sports industry. You know, he's done everything from sports writing to hosting shows, hosting uh, TV shows, radio shows. You know, he was a big name here in Detroit when he worked here with Channel 7 and also Local 4. Um, also wrote for the Detroit News and the Detroit Free Press. So, Rob Parker, ladies and gentlemen. What's happening, everybody? Thank you. Yeah, where where didn't I work in Detroit? I worked everywhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You definitely made it, like I say, you made a name for himself down in Detroit. So, fellas, man, glad glad to have you both on. So, we want to jump right, right into it. Um, and just talking about, you know, sports writers in this industry, especially Blacks sports writer that's what we really want to focus on so can you both talk about how you you got into the industry or what drew you to um this business go ahead and lead off um yeah for me i think it was just an interest in sports you know like a lot of people growing up um you know i was a big basketball fan uh you know we watched the lions uh but uh just especially basketball growing up you know and also playing basketball here and there um 
I knew I liked the sport, but I don't know if I necessarily thought about writing about it until I got to high school. Uh, took a, journal, a journalism class at Renaissance, and that was probably really my first introduction to just um, the concept of being a sports writer. Uh, my parents had uh, the Detroit Free Press growing up, so you know I read the the sports section a lot, and uh, you know of course the comics. And um, when I was younger, um, so I already kind of knew what it was, but probably high school is when I really first began to considered doing it and got involved on a student newspaper and everything. Um, and then in college, just stuck with it. Uh, joined the, the state news on my very first semester freshman year. I got a couple of internships and then was able to um, kind of relay that into working for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette uh, for a couple of years. Um, and then, as, as you said earlier, Kevin, uh, covered the Grizzlies for a little bit and now back home in Detroit covering the Pistons. So uh, that I think that was kind of it, just kind of knowing uh, you know, like having a good base for one, being able to do that in school, but also just uh, just kind of finding that that pathway once I got to college. For for me, it was real simple. I was a nine year old kid growing up in New York, and the only thing I ever wanted to do was uh, play first base for the New York Mets. And when I realized I wasn't that good, I wasn't as good as Kevin Moore as a baseball player. But when I realized uh, I wasn't going to be able to make that. I had to have my backup plan. And as a kid, uh, two things. When I was in second grade, I had a teacher named Miss Noble who told me in second grade that when I grow up, I should be a writer. And I mean, she identified me at seven and in second grade mm. and told me that and it stuck in the back of my head. So my backup plan was if I can't make it to the major leagues, I want to be a sports writer. I used to watch a TV show called The Odd Couple. And uh, Jack Klugman played the role of Oscar Madison, the sloppy sports writer. But back then, I thought, this guy is the greatest job in the world. He goes to all the ball games for free. He gets free food. That's what I want to do. And, you know, at that time, there weren't a lot of black guys as sports writers back in those days. So my friends thought I was crazy. My family thought I was crazy to have this dream to be a sports writer. But that's the only thing I ever focused in on. And uh, that was my dream, to be a sports writer and have my own column in New York. And obviously in Detroit, I became the first black sports columnist the Detroit Free Press ever had back in 1993. That's a very special moment in my career. I was also a columnist, the first black columnist at Newsday in New York. So, uh, you know, I was able to uh, achieve those things. And it should tell people that they can do it, uh, even if, Nobody in your family has ever done it, or this is so out of the box from what you're used to. It is possible. Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned uh, your accomplishment, you know, with the free press, because I wanted to ask you, you know, what, what was going through your your mind at that time when you realized you were the first black sports columnist there? It, it was crazy because when I came for the interview, I actually didn't want the job, to be honest. I was working in Cincinnati. I was a baseball beat writer. You know I love baseball. I love the team I was covering. I love where I lived. I had a girlfriend in Cincinnati. It was like life was great. And I came up there just for like practice to be on an interview because at that time I was only 29 years old. And, I, you know, like if I don't get a column at 29, it ain't the end of the world, I thought. And I came up and after talking to the editors and whatnot and, realizing what this was i was like you know what i think i want this job and uh there were three up there were three people up for it and i got it and i was 20 i was 29 
and the paper was 161 years old when they hired me. And uh, like I said, it is my crowning achievement. And I've, I've achieved a lot of things in my career, but uh, being the voice of the people in Detroit at the Free Press meant a lot to me and still does. That, you know, being the first black columnist at the Free Press and uh, Omari, you, you also at Memphis at The Athletic. I want to ask, did you feel any type of bias like towards towards you like while working because you're black? I think as far as getting along with the players, um, you know, I started covering the Grizzlies. Uh, I was fall 2018. So uh, I was I was still, I believe, 25 years old. And I think on some level, uh, it does kind of help you relate to the players when you're not that much older than them. Uh, you know, I was pretty much the same age as Jonas Valanciunas and uh, Kyle Anderson. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, halfway through when I was down there, they got uh, John Morant. And, uh, you know, John's younger than me. He's younger than my younger brother. So, you know, I could kind of, <laughs> you know, uh, relate to a lot of those guys. You know, you listen to the same music. Um, you know, I think on some level, uh, you know, they, they, in some ways, I think they can kind of trust you a little bit more because they know that, you know, you and them more or less uh kind of see things the same way um you know so i think that it kind of breaks down that wall a little bit maybe uh so i, I do think it, it helps for sure uh you know i think you're in a locker room and everybody looks like you uh you know it it, it kind of breaks down whatever boundaries there may be elsewhere especially when there's not a whole still not a whole lot of black uh people in sports journalism so uh you know it's not a whole lot of us and i think some players who recognize that um, for me, I just think that it was more about, you know, getting those opportunities when I was doing it. At the time when I became a columnist at the Free Press, there were only 10 black sports columnists in the entire country, oh. and there were 1,600 daily newspapers. Think about that, 1,600 daily newspapers, and there were only 10 of us, and I was number 10. So that wasn't because I, I was that good or I'm better than everybody else that I got an opportunity. It was more about there weren't opportunities for black people, black guys and, and, and women to get these jobs at these big newspapers or newspapers around the country. So, yeah, there was bias and racism, but you just have to fight through. And when you get your opportunity, you run with it. And that's what I did. Yeah, that's big for sure. And I know like Rob, like you said, you love baseball and you already know that's that's a sport where you don't see too many of us playing it or even covering it. So um, I'm glad you touched on that about getting your opportunity and running with it. And then also, you know, you you recently, uh, you know, made some noise in the baseball world, you know, with, with, with the website you just came out with, MLBbro.com, gaining a lot of traction. Uh, so can you touch a little bit on, you know, what was the thought process behind that whole website and why you decided to uh, create that? I'm very proud of it. And as you know, Kevin is one of our writers. He's doing a great job for us. But uh, baseball is our game. I know people are all caught up in AAU coaches, talking kids out of playing more than one sport and just playing football or basketball. And it's, it's a disservice. Baseball is in our, our heritage and, 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 our, and, and, and our cloth of black, as black people. Uh, so... Uh, we have a great tradition of baseball. You look at the baseball record book and all the records and what we've been able to accomplish starting in the major league since 1947, not, you know, and the things that we've uh, done in baseball. So uh, I just thought that there was a void 
and uh, maybe there, there are black fans out there who might not go to MLB.com directly, but they could go to MLBBro.com where we cover black and brown players. And uh, the response has been tremendous. We're very thrilled with it. It's growing every day, and uh, more and more people are finding the website. And uh, matter of fact, I just got an email or text from one of my students. I'm an adjunct professor at USC, and she said that she's been pulling so much information from our site, and her bosses are thrilled, you know, when she comes back with this information. But she's telling me she's getting it from MLBBro.com. So we're expecting to grow this site and eventually do all kinds of other stuff with it, have a TV show and a radio show next year. So if you haven't heard about MLBBro.com, you need to check it out on the website. Uh, we're, we're, we're having a great time doing it. And more and more black players are coming. We've had a dip, but in the minor leagues, man, people just don't know yet. They're, they're out there and they're coming. So we'll watch and see. Uh, these new stars coming into baseball nice nice like all the attention uh and, and that's something i noticed too like even even when y'all, i turn on the game there's like like a lot more uh like black players that are excelling as well uh i just found, discovered cedric mullins of uh of baltimore. he's balling in baltimore yeah. Uh, yeah 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 he is like there's there's a few guys in the in the minors too that i, I believe someone has a picture he has like a 104-mile-per-hour fastball. On like, the green, yep. Yeah, yeah, so like they're, they're definitely on the way. But uh, I wanted to ask both of you, what was the first story that, you, that y'all had published? It was probably with my student newspaper uh, when I was back in high school. Uh, we had a, a in-house paper, and then the Free Press uh, um, actually worked with, with uh, DPS to do uh, newspapers in each of the high schools as well. So my first story was probably... A story in one of those papers, you know, I couldn't tell you what it was about, <laughs> um, you know, or, you know, when the science didn't have a lot of breaking news, you know, every month anyway. So, uh, yeah, I really couldn't tell you what it was about, but I think my first story probably would have been in one of those two newspapers. I still have my first story, believe it or not. I know the paper's yellow mm-hmm. is rip, is mad old. It's from, uh, from night from 1978 or nine or something like that, so a long time ago, but it was for the high school newspaper. The Martin Van Buren High School Beeline was the name of our paper. I covered uh, the soccer team and uh, wrote a story about it. My first byline ever, and I do want you to know that, man. When I was in high school, it took forever for our high school newspaper to come out, and it used to drive me crazy. So I, I decided to start an all-sports newspaper in high school called Sports Line. And we didn't have money to publish it. The principal said that the school wouldn't pay for it. So I wrote letters to all the publishers at the New York papers, the Daily News, the New York Times, and the New York Post. And if you could believe it, the New York Post sent me a check for $50 back in 1980 to start my newspaper. And guess who I wrote the letter to? I wrote the letter to Rupert Murdoch, for, for uh, you guys who know. Wow. Rupert Murdoch is the yeah. owner of Fox. Owner of Fox. Yeah. Back then, he was the publisher of the New York Post. He didn't even, Fox wasn't even a, 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 an entity. It wasn't uh, founded yet, television. So he was just a newspaper reporter. And Rupert Murdoch, obviously, is now my boss at Fox Sports. So isn't that incredible? Uh, 40 years later, you know, the guy who sent me a check to start an all-sports newspaper in high school is now my boss. 
that's wild. <laughs> that's wild. And we and we know, uh, Rob, you just recently um, received you know a high achievement at your, at Martin Van Buren High School being inducted into the Hall of Fame for the twenty twenty one class. So congratulations with that. Thank you. Yes, the ceremony. Ceremony's coming up in September, but I got the announcement this past weekend when I was in New York, and another honor, you know, uh, to, to go into your high school Hall of Fame, and there's only about 11 or 12 people in it, so it's not doesn't happen very often, but I'm very proud. It wasn't something I was looking for, but I absolutely embrace, and uh, it's a testament not only to me, but all the people I went to high school with during that time. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, uh, earlier I touched on, you know, how Rob has many different jobs and does a lot of things. He's also a busy man, so I know he has to get up, get off this call really soon. But we definitely thank him for blessing us with his presence. So, I'll, real quick, before you hop off, I want, I want, I want to touch on uh, the import, the importance of mentorship, especially in this industry with black journalists. Why is it so important? And, the need for black journalists. I, I want both of you all to expound on that. For me, I, I'll just jump in first. You know, like when I started out, guys looked out for me. I can remember my first road trip covering the St. John's basketball team. This is a team that Mark Jackson was on uh, back in the day. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was going to Buffalo and I, and I was young. I was 20. 22 years old, my first road trip, I, I really didn't know. And Bill Roden was covering the team for the New York Times. And you know Bill Roden, who's at uh, Undefeated and worked for the New York Times as a columnist for a long time. And Bill saw me. We got off the plane together in Buffalo and said, hey, get in my car. I'll, I'll show you around. I'll show you the ropes. I didn't even have to ask him for help. And I thought to myself, whenever I, I get to a position where I can help people, I'm going to do the same exact thing. And, and I believe it's very imperative to, to have a mentor and so that you don't have to bump your head. Someone can guide you and tell you what to look out for, pitfalls or whatever. And, uh, you know, in my career, I've probably mentored about 40 people. And I'm proud of every single one of them and the things that they've done. And for people like Stephen A. Smith is someone who I helped mentor when he first started in the business. Uh, Michael Smith. Mark Spears, uh, Darren Haynes, who went to uh, uh, U of D. Um, uh, no, went to Wayne State. I'm Wayne sorry, State, Wayne yeah. State. Wayne yeah. State. Darren Haynes was a was a Sports Center anchor who worked on my local show in Detroit. So it's important. People need help. You can't do it by yourself. And that's all I'm going to say is is mentor getting a mentor or being a mentor when you can help people is really important. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, well, Rob's a legend. You know, I wish I had the mentorship record he does. <laughs> yeah, he's been doing it for uh, so, so much longer. But, uh, you know, but even in, in my young career, I mean, you know, I can think of numerous people off the top of my head who have, uh, you know, worked to kind of help open those doors for me. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, first person probably being uh, Mrs. Dorena Craighead at, at Renaissance, who, uh, you know, I took her journalism class in ninth grade. And, uh, you know, at, towards the end of the class, she said, you're a good writer and I want you to join the student newspaper, uh, you know, which I ended up doing my junior year. Um, you know, so there's been a lot of people who have seen the potential in me, um, you know, kind of helped show me 
uh, just kind of what the job was and how to do it. And, you know, and I'm definitely very grateful for that. Um, you know, it's not something that, you know, is always easy to have, but, um, you know, I've just been surrounded by some really good people. And, uh, you know, especially as I've, you know, graduated and, and gotten established, uh, you know, I think I definitely have, you know, realized and found those opportunities to try to give back where I can, you know, get involved with NABJ or some of the different, um, you know, organizations here in D Detroit, um, you know, especially since I moved back, uh, you know, just because, um, you know, I am lucky to be in this position and, and uh, you know, if weren't for people doing that for me, I definitely wouldn't be here. So just have to pay it back. Absolutely, man. That's that's real information right there. Definitely appreciate that. But we we're not gonna hold Rob too much longer. Like I said, you know, he, he's a busy man. You know, yeah. Yeah, I just got off the radio. <laughs> of course, you know, I got another thing I need to do. But man, I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, best of luck. And you know, if there's anything I can do to help you along in your career, and you could ask Kev. I mean it. You know, mm -hmm. reach out to me. Get my information. Uh, start a dialogue with me, uh, and I'll do my best to help you along through this journey. All right, all right best well, of luck to everybody. All right, guys? All right, appreciate it, uh, Rob yeah. Parker. Take care. All right. All right, all right. so now we got, we, got, we got the boy Omari with us. You know? <laughs> so, um, Omari, can you talk about your, your first – your first professional job. So was it was it when you moved out to Pittsburgh? Was that the was that your first one? Yeah. So my first job uh, was with the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Okay. Um, you know, so I got right when I graduated from Michigan State, and uh, technically I was their uh, Robert Morris basketball and uh, district college football writer. So you know, Robert Morris, their Division One, uh, you know, mid major. Uh, you know, they beat Kentucky in the uh, first round of the NIT back in 2014. So I was probably their uh you know the, the thing that really kind of put them on the map i was back in 14 or 15. um but uh you know they're like 25 30 minutes outside of pittsburgh and uh you know i think it was really good to kind of learn how to be a beat writer from that i also covered district colleges which was all the local division two and division three schools uh you know so i just got kind of bounced around and did uh you know different you know like during football season obviously it's football and then during basketball uh you know it would be a basketball game here and there but uh also i did a lot of general assignment stuff uh you know my editors they you know wanted to kind of get me involved everywhere up everywhere so uh covered penn state uh football here and there uh some steelers here and there a little bit of penguins uh i think i did a couple pirates games uh basically everything but but uh pit so uh you know it's definitely a good a really good place to be and uh just kind of helped me get my feet wet you know and Basically everything except the NBA, <laughs> you know. Obviously, since Pittsburgh doesn't have a team, but but yeah, I've got to do everything else though. All right, uh, Omari. Earlier when you were talking, uh, you know, just like when you were talking about uh, having black sports writers in the room, uh, how do you think that you, you did you find it like easier, like because you're black, it's easier for like you know for you to get something like out of the players, like how that can make you like more relatable. A little bit more open can you can you expand upon that yeah i think it can like i think it can help in certain ways just because uh you know sometimes i think there can be like sort of a uh, a culture barrier maybe you know between like obviously if you're like you know a young black reporter and you're covering young black players uh you know you can talk you know if they're talking about playboy cardi you know who playboy cardi is right like i think it right, just kind of right. helps from that standpoint uh at the same time like you know i think at the end of the day 
uh, you know, if you're a good reporter, you know, your social and everything, uh, you know, I think anybody can open up to you. Uh, you know, I don't think, I don't think, you know, uh, being black is necessarily a, 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 a cheat code per se, but I do think, you know, in certain ways it helps just from the standpoint of, you know, you and a, a lot, a lot of the players, you know, just, you know, you are listening to the same music, you know, you probably watch the same stuff. Uh, you know, I think from that standpoint, it, it definitely helps a little bit. All right. Uh, winding down since, since the beginning of last year of 2020, uh, there was kind of like a change in like journalism and sports writing with the, with the passing of George Floyd, like a, a lot of writers and athletes kind of got involved on the social justice front. Uh, like from, from your perspective, can, can you like kind of talk about that? Like, you know, like how that's changed? Like, has it, has that impacted you as a writer and, and how you work? I think, uh, you know, with George Floyd and I think last year, you know, for a lot of social justice movements in general, uh, you know, there became a, or at least, you know, from my perception, a big increase in wanting to see professional sports teams, wanting to see corporations and other people who are in, you know, positions of, of, of influence uh, to get more involved in the social justice ring. Uh, I think the in, the NBA definitely uh, has always been pretty deeply involved in social justice matters just because it's a player different league. And, you know, that's what, you know, the players tend to care about. But, you know, obviously, you know, being the majority black league, you know, those issues are always going to be at the forefront. Um, but I think to see some of the other sports leagues, uh, you know, begin to tweet, you know, put certain things on social media that they probably weren't doing before, uh, you know, very overt, um, you know, pro-Black Lives Matter uh, messaging, which I think has also carried over to, you know, what we've seen with, uh, you know, like Pride Month this, this month and, you know, and, and uh, other causes such as that. Um you know, I think George Floyd ended up becoming, I mean, we even saw it in the bubble with the NBA last year. Uh, you know, you have, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter on the court, so you have the special jerseys and, uh, you know, with, with the uh, the slogans on the jersey instead of their last names. So, um, yeah, I think I think that kind of felt like a tipping point for sure. Um, I know the Pistons, uh, you know, when we were having the protests across the country around this time last year, uh, the Pistons, like Dwayne Casey and Pistons players and, you know, uh, staff uh, joined one of the protests. So actually, you know, because of the pandemic, uh, the first time I met, you know, their head coach, Dwayne Casey in person was at that protest. So, uh, yeah, so I think it just, I think that kind of felt like a, a tipping point, you know, as far as people wanting more accountability, you know, from, you know, different institutions that can uh, impact change. And institutions also obliging, you know, and being willing to do it. Um, so it definitely feels like a tipping point as far as that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely important for sure. And it's good to see that, you know, athletes and you know journalists are using their platform to help educate um, people and bring awareness to what's really going on out in the world today. Um, so, yeah, but you know, now we're winding down. Uh, this is where we like to get into our our heavy hitters. So, you know, we like to end our show with, with some, some questions uh, for our guests. So, you know, the first question we're going to start off with, I mean, you, you cover the Pistons. I know you, you, we, everybody knows the big news. We're getting a number one pick. Uh, so, you know, what, what, what do you think? What do you think the Pistons do with the, the first pick? You think they trading or you think they taking the best player? 
uh, out there. You know, everybody talking about Kay Cunningham. You know, what, what, what do you think? What do you think Pistons gonna do? If I had to put money on it, I, I would uh, like gun in my head. Like I'd probably like you know pick Kay Cunningham. Uh, you know, just because he is the consensus uh, best prospect. Um, and you know, Troy, which Troy said, you know, uh, last week at after the lottery that uh, K is on top of our list. So, um, if the Pistons don't trade the pick, then I think the pick is Kate Cunningham. Uh, now, of course, there's an outside chance that you know, either uh, Houston at two or Orlando at three or some other team offers a really good package and you know, the Pistons consider it. But at the end of the day, it's just hard to see a trade that will be more meaningful for them. Then just draft a Kate Cunningham. Like, that's a pretty, uh, it's, it's hard to top that. I mean, you know, it's hard Thank to you. top that. Thank you. So, uh, that's what my guess would be. Yeah, take K, take K, Troy. <laughs> Hopefully, he see this episode. Take K. <laughs> All right, the uh, the next one, the playoffs going on right now. Who is in the NBA finals and why? Uh, I think Milwaukee and Phoenix. Um, you know, Milwaukee, I think, especially with Trey Young out, uh, it's just a big uh, disparity. Oh, they actually have the game on. Oh, it's a commercial break. I don't know what the score is right now. I know that it was up at halftime, uh, but I still think Milwaukee wins. It may take them six, it may take them seven, but they're going to get to the finals. Uh, and then Phoenix, you know, they're up 3-2 on uh, Los Angeles now. And, uh, you know, Paul George has had a really good playoffs. And, you know, of course, I think he scored 42 last game to, you know, help him start off elimination. Uh, at the end of the day, Phoenix is just deeper. Uh, if the Wild Leonard came back and were, like, contributing, like, his, they were fine, then I think that would maybe tip things the other way. But assuming Kawhi uh, does not come back, then I think we're looking at a Phoenix-Milwaukee finals. Okay. Phoenix-Milwaukee, I like, I like that. I like that. Um, fresh blood. You say what? Yeah. I said, yeah, it's fresh. Yes, it's, it's two teams I haven't won before. Exactly. Um, yeah, so, that's what yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's what I really like. Milwaukee's won before, but not. But yeah, they haven't. Yeah, we not we not seeing the LeBron James or the Golden State Warriors like exactly every single year. So I like I like Nas that they changing it up. So this is what I, I this is what I think basketball needs. So I, I'm yeah. like I'm liking how this is going. So um, next question: Your favorite moment or story as a reporter? My favorite moment or story. As a reporter, that's a tough one. Um, I would say a story that uh, a story I wrote when I covered the the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, it was about a group called uh, the Bill Street Flippers, and they, um, you know, it's basically uh, just a group of black, you know, kids and like teenagers that you know uh, they flip on on Bill Street. And at different events, and uh, you know they do it for for tips, and uh, you know and then when they and they did it at a lot of uh, home games at the Grizzlies Arena too, and uh, you know they've literally just been like you know flipping for a long time, like they have a whole flipping routine. They'll flip over three people at once, four people at once. They'll do a bunch of flips in a row, uh, all self-taught. You know they're not like you know uh, you know they'll go, go to school to do it or anything. And uh, you know the leader of that group, uh, you know was named. Um, Rika's Bonds, and he was like, he basically uh, became famous as a kid for flipping on Bill Street. And in, anyway, it was just like sort of like a, a, a off the cuff, like sports related story because people are going from one of the Grizzlies games. But, you know, it's just fun to be able to kind of dive into something different 
uh, you know, kind of like shed some light on this group and what they do uh, because it's, you know, like it's a, a pretty rare, rare sight, you know, like uh, halftime acts at NBA games tend to be, you know, like really well-known acts, you know, like professionally trained. Uh, travel the world type things and then you just have all these kids from memphis who are coming out and they're doing all these flips and you just see them all over memphis doing stuff so uh you know so i, I just thought that, that was a really fun story to do and it took me a while to actually put it together because you know i was ch- trying to chase so many people down yeah. but uh no but yeah I, I would say that that was probably up there for me all right that's dope all right final question any advice for black aspiring journalists um yeah stick with it um and get as much experience as you can you know at the end, end of the day uh you know this isn't a job you could do just from reading about it um you know or just from getting advice on it you know it's a job you you learn by doing um you know basically so if you want to be a sports writer uh you know you get sports writing experience you know you may have to get non-sports writing experience before you can get onto a sports desk but uh if you want to write just do it you know if you're in school uh you know definitely join your newspaper, you know, talk to your advisors and figure out how you can get internships. You know, if you don't go to school, email a newspaper, uh, you know, they you may still be able to get a job as a, a, a stringer or just, you know, closing pages or doing, you know, uh, uh, you know, late night wire work. But, you know, no matter what it is, it's, it's experience to help you get your door in. So, um, yeah, I, I would say those two things for sure. Uh, you know, stick with it and, and just do it. You know, get the experience now. Uh, you know, don't wait to do it later. Uh, the more you have, the easier it'll be. Uh, you know, you never know what doors might open up for you. Hmm, that's good. Great advice, right there, man. Great advice for sure. Well, well, that that's that's all we have for this show, man. So we definitely appreciate Omari Sankofa and and Rob Parker who joined us earlier for taking the time out of their schedules to come, you know, kick it with us, come talk with us, talk about this the sports writing industry what it's like being a sports writer so we definitely appreciate it and make sure make sure y'all go check out the work that amari's doing with the pistons at the free press man he's doing some great great work and it's great to have a a, a detroit native you know covering the hometown team and that's like a dream come true so you know definitely appreciate the work he's doing and with rob what he's doing uh, he's doing so much and he, he he's he's a definitely a big part you know, so many lives. So yeah, we definitely appreciate the work y'all both doing. We thank you again for, for coming um, on the show and keeping it real with us, man. So appreciate it. Man, Kevin, one of the hottest topics in sports news right now is Shakira Richardson, the rising star track runner for Team USA. Man, she just got suspended for thirty day suspension for it. She got caught smoking weed. She was t- positive test for marijuana. Ah, uh, man, it's my opinion, dude. Like it's. It's 2021. I mean, like, the rest of these leagues, the rest of these professional leagues, they're, like, kind of easing up on testing and marijuana use. I understand that the Olympic uh, World Doping Agency, they think that it's a performance enhancer, which really don't make sense to me because, if anything, your performance would be slowed down because, like, you mm-hmm. know, relaxed muscles, uh, judgment, stuff stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it's odd. What you think about it? Yeah, it's definitely an unfortunate unfortunate event for for her because you know she was on the rise she was up and coming she was making a name for herself everything was going well and then obviously this this news breaks for her um but i think 
I mean, I agree with you. I don't think it, it's a performance enhancing drug. Like you said, it relaxes the muscles. And I really applaud applaud Shikari for, you know, owning up to what she did, you know, and taking taking her suspension and uh, taking uh, you know, like I said, taking that responsibility and owning up. Um, because at the end of the day, it is still a banned substance, you know, by, by the Olympics. And um, even though, you know, I think it shouldn't be banned, uh, you know, you still have to know, um, you know, what is banned and what's not banned. And, and obviously she was going through a tough time too. So, you know, that's something that played into it as well. But, you know, my take is it was just unfortunate that it happened. And hopefully the Olympics can ban you know this this the marijuana because like like me and you both agree on it we don't think it's a, uh, a performance enhancement drug so so hopefully this won't you know break breaks your car i don't think it will i think it's only gonna make her better you know after this so she's she gonna be on the mission now so yeah for sure this the circumstances definitely sucked um it, it sucked for her because uh she when she went on the uh the today show like she basically explained what happened uh, she made it known early off that it wasn't a positive test for steroids so right uh yeah but yeah she she owned up to it uh she said she knew the rules she knew what she was doing uh but yeah the circumstances surrounding it like she found out about the passing of her mother from a journalist um and like like in the middle of the like in the middle of an interview like find out some news like that from from somebody that's like not family like mm-hmm. i can i can i can understand like how that could send her into a spiral and um yeah coping coping with it with like a way a way that she knew how like i I definitely understand but uh but yeah it's it's only 30 days uh it'll her suspension will end in time for her to compete in the four by 100 meter relay that's uh if she if she's if she's selected to the team usa that's going to tokyo but uh well yeah that's that's definitely unfortunate all right that's that's gonna be it for this episode of keeping it real we can catch it on youtube It's also up on Spotify now and on Google Podcasts. We'll catch y'all in the next one.